From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. If you live in central New York, you live in four distinct seasons. Winter may be your favorite, but even if it is, the dark, cold days may get to you sometimes, and especially this year. Here to talk with me about the winter blues is Dr. Koshal Nanavati. He's the Assistant Dean of Wellness at Upstate, an Assistant Professor of Family Medicine, and the Medical Director of Integrative Therapy, and he's also a frequent guest on HealthLink on Air. Thank you for being here, Dr. Nanavati. Glad to be back. I know some people experience a seasonal depression called seasonal affective disorder, and I wonder if that's combined with a depressive episode that's brought on by pandemic isolation, is that likely to make the depression even worse? We're seeing higher numbers of people being depressed, uh, and both have a role to play, uh, especially because seasonal affective disorder, especially in places like uh, central New York, uh, where we have longer winters, uh, it's been known to be uh, consistent uh, when the winter sets in and kind of, you know, end of fall, winter time. Uh, for people that have it, it comes annually around the same time of the year. Uh, and then this year, the confounder being COVID-19 and the impact that that's had. So for some people who have seasonal affective disorder, what's happened is they've kind of felt the depression anyway, depending on their life circumstances. And then on top of that, to have, you know, darker, uh, longer evenings and nights, uh, colder weather. I just saw, you know, as I woke up this morning, the snow on the ground in central New York. Uh, you know, for people that struggle with that, uh, this definitely heightens uh, the feelings that they get with seasonal affective disorder. So it's likely to affect more people this year. Um, what can we do about it? Well, I think it's very interesting. You know, historically, uh, the things that people have done in general uh, to either combat or overcome depression, uh, we usually tell them the things that they can do in terms of their own personal resources include, you know, everything from what I've talked with you before about in terms of the core four of nutrition and exercise, stress management, and spiritual wellness, their own sense of contentment and peace is really focusing on doing purposeful activities, focusing on our meaningful relationships, uh, focusing on, you know, what we want to contribute versus what we want to get so that our, our focus uh, goes away from uh, what we're feeling is a void in our own life to actually recognizing the value that we can bring uh, in the lives of others. And sometimes that alone is very uplifting. Uh, practically speaking, uh, there's a biochemical phenomenon that does happen, uh, especially as we have, you know, uh, shorter uh, exposure to sunlight and longer nights, is that the biochemical serotonin in the body can start to go uh, be lower. And serotonin can actually get converted to melatonin as well. And melatonin has been known to affect the circadian rhythm, as can serotonin uh, affect our mood. Uh, and so that combination sometimes leads to people feeling more uh, depressed. Uh, and seasonal affective disorder is kind of in this continuum uh, or spectrum of depression, uh, depressed mood. So a lot of the symptoms we think about are, you know, difficulty or uh, inadequate sleep or change in sleep patterns, decreased interest in daily activity, feelings of guilt, uh, decreased energy, uh, their mood being affected, uh, people having difficulty concentrating, uh, appetite, uh, you know, changes, 
and also feeling more clumsy or just feeling off your game, you know. Uh, and some people actually have it severe enough where they may even have thoughts of, you know, self-harm or suicide. Uh, and so this is a real condition. It's not something that's just, oh, just blow it off. It's just because it's, you know, uh, colder. I just got to figure out what to do. It's a real biochemical uh, impact on the body that affects our mood, our ability to act and think and do. Uh, and some people feel, you know, helpless or hopeless or even worthless during this time. And so it's important to connect. And COVID has made it difficult uh, just because of the fundamentals that we keep encouraging people to follow, uh, physical distancing, of, you know, mask wearing and uh, all of these things. Uh, I'm not a big fan, as you know, of social distancing. I think it should be physical distancing, but maintaining social connectivity. Uh, and that's really important in overcoming seasonal affective disorder, depression that's tied into COVID-19 or even anxiety. Uh, well, yeah, when, when you mentioned uh, about, you know, a purpose, um, COVID kind of changes that or challenges us to be creative in, okay, this is sort of the routine we used to follow, you know, last winter before COVID, but it really won't work this year. We have to make some adaptations, it sounds like. I think that's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, when I mentioned the fundamentals, you know, people – uh, and I think you and I had this discussion off air, the idea of, you know, teenagers versus adults. Uh, and there was a study done uh, between San Diego State and BYU, and they were looking at data from 2018 versus now. And what they found was that teenagers were less depressed than would have been expected. They expected that teens would be much more depressed because, you know, they were kind of locked in, couldn't go out as much, et cetera. But what they found interesting was that teens actually – uh, that had a home environment where there were either two parents or they had an active engagement with family, those teens were actually less depressed, uh, experienced less anxiety compared to uh, teens who either didn't have a great connection at home or households where there was job loss, and we've seen that you know, in much higher numbers in the past. And so the reasoning, the causality, the cause, um, is actually been different compared to what it might be in other years. And people are struggling at home with, you know, figuring out food on the table, you know, the lights on, uh, you know, maintaining, you know, income. And these are real issues in society. Uh, and these are real issues that we have to deal with. Even locally, uh, you know, it's one in six families that are actually struggling to figure out about, you know, getting adequate food on the table for the household. And so when we talk about purpose, when we talk about connectivity, there are many, many ways in which, you know, we as a community can support each other. Uh, and there are many resources in the community that are active and engaged. Yesterday was, you know, the Giving Tuesday. And so, you know, you could see through social media networks the amount that people were willing to contribute to support their neighbors and our community as a whole, that's very heartwarming to know that, you know, at a time of such difficulty and distress that we are able to uh, uplift our own neighbors. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Koshal Nanavati about beating the winter blues. And you mentioned about um, the teenagers. And I was going to ask, you know, some of that might be sort of their attitude or their outlook, and I wonder what adults can learn from teens regarding that. 
But I think, you know, some of the stresses are a little bit different. So teenagers generally aren't as worried about how food gets on the table as much as having it there when they're hungry. But I think for adults, some of the stresses are a little bit different, a little bit unique. Uh, what we do know, though, is the teenagers uh, commented in the study that they felt as a result of this time during this pandemic, they felt that they were a little more resilient. Uh, and for adults, one of the important things to realize for us is that we're still here, which means we still have an opportunity to build a healthy and happy home. And we start to realize that focusing on the meaningful relationships, the time to connect, uh, rather than feeling trapped, thinking about it, the opportunity that we can all be together, right? So how we frame this time together uh, actually makes a big difference. And I'm not making light of the situational and stressors that many, many people face in terms of, you know, not having the financial resources to resolve uh, to be able to maintain, you know, the same house they have or the same activity level that they have or the same, uh, you know, resources that they're used to having. But that being said, if we focus on the fundamentals uh, and recognize that through our children, we can actually experience joy uh, through connection and through time shared, through having conversations and dialogue, uh, we can actually build a stronger bond so that when we do come out of this, uh, you know, temporary time frame, uh, we will all be stronger for it and we'll have, you know, healthier relationships as a result. On the opposite end of the spectrum, if we find that our stress is leading to us lashing out uh, at the ones we love, uh, getting more irritable, getting more moody, getting more, you know, chippy, what that does is creates a bigger, uh, you know, kind of divide uh, and strains the relationship more. So we have to recognize that, you know, we're all in this together. Uh, regardless of our personal circumstance, uh, COVID is impacting our entire community. Uh, and so the best thing we can do is focus on our micro sphere within our own home, within our own immediate relations, stick to spending time together in this way versus interconnected and, and socializing and uh, feeling like, yeah, but it won't affect me because honestly, this is something that has a potential effect, you know, a majority of us over time. Uh, and so adults can recognize that, hey, I've got this opportunity, uh, even though it's a challenge, let me make the most of it. Well, I want to tap your expertise on integrative medicine, because I'm thinking that even the strongest person with the most positive mindset is is challenged during these times. Are there some tools from integrative therapy that you can recommend? I think the concept of integrative therapy or complementary along with conventional approaches, the complementary approaches don't just have to be prescriptive. So uh, I just had a talk with our uh, medical students at lunchtime today, and one of them mentioned that they had done a virtual art, um, you know, gathering where they were all at their own homes, uh, but, you know, they all did a painting together. Uh, and that's kind of cool. Uh, people do virtual dance, virtual yoga, virtual meditation, uh, virtual cooking. Uh, in fact, for the holidays, as Thanksgiving just went by, uh, you know, we actually did a little bit of Zooming with relatives over dinner uh, and kind of, you know, shared what everybody was going to be eating and what we were having at the time. Uh, and so there are many, many things we can do to connect with the resources we have. On the personal side, 
uh, doing the deep breathing or abdominal breathing uh, for mindfulness, taking 10 minutes every morning to set your intention for the day, and taking 10 minutes at nighttime to express gratitude for the day that was, is a great way to reflect on the gifts we have in life uh, versus the challenges we face, right? And so it brings us back to valuing the presence. Um, I have a, I had a thought this morning, uh, which was specifically that if we make each day better than the day before, we can look back on a life well lived, right? But if we save for tomorrow what we could do today, then, you know, we'll reflect back on a life that's incomplete. And so taking the time to proactively engage in our living experience, making it the best day yet, uh, it's an active process, but now you're engaged in making it happen versus feeling like you're, you know, stuck. Well, let me ask you, you mentioned food. Uh, are, there, are there food sources or vitamins or supplements that are helpful to add to our diet, specifically in wintertime? Or, or is there anything that we're deficient in? Yeah, so uh, on a broad scale, uh, you know, the Harvard Health Eating Plate is a great resource, evidence-guided, but one of the most important things is to add color to your plate, right? Colorful foods help us to feel more invigorated. So with vegetables, you know, having different colors uh, of foods, uh, and vegetables are healthy and they actually help us to feel happier. Uh, so having vegetables, uh, more so than fruit, but vegetables and fruit uh, is a great opportunity to feel invigorated. As far as supplements and vitamins go, um, you know, vitamin D has been associated with depression. So getting back to the beginning of our conversation, with seasonal affective disorder, depression, oftentimes we diagnose that and people prescribe medication, but sometimes it's uh, a fix of the vitamin D that can actually help enhance the mood. Uh, omega-3 in studies has been shown that 3,000 milligrams a day can actually work as effectively for mild to moderate depression uh, and anxiety as do some of the prescribed medications. Now, does that mean it'll work for everybody? No, but it can definitely be a resource and a source of, of benefit. So uh, cold water, freshwater wild-caught fish, walnuts, sunflower and pumpkin seeds, chia and flax seeds, avocado, olive oil, are all great sources of omega-3 when you use them in our foods that can be helpful. So I'll give you a quick uh, trail mix of walnuts and almonds that are unsalted mixed with uh, sunflower and pumpkin seeds that are salted uh, with some raisins and a quarter cup once or twice a day with 8 to 12 ounces of water. Great for your cholesterol, great omega-3 and mood boost, uh, and the hydration helps as well. Oh, that's good advice. Well, before I let you go, um, we started out talking about depression, and I know that this can become, you know, severe in some people, but at what point does a person need to seek professional help? Are there some red flags to be aware of? So uh, starting from the most severe, obviously, if somebody has thoughts of self-harm or suicide, it's really important. Uh, but when people start to feel hopeless or helpless or worthless, or any of those symptoms that I had mentioned earlier, uh, I think it's important to at least speak with their primary care provider uh, and also check in with their family, their friends, uh, because a lot of times what happens in these cases is people do the opposite. They tend to isolate, uh, and they tend to not want to share feeling like they'll be judged. Uh, and the reality is, is that more people in your life will help uplift you. And so rather than trying to hide it, it's important to actually share when we're feeling stressed or distressed 
uh, and that we can connect better. But anybody who has any thoughts uh, or concern of, of uh, self-harm, uh, suicidal ideation, uh, definitely that's the biggest red flag. Uh, but if you start to notice your sleep is starting to change, you're not interested in the same things or doing the same things, you feel more moody, uh, you know, snapping and getting snippy with people, and that's not your normal self, definitely reach out uh, to your healthcare provider. Uh, you know, there are hotlines um, for depression as well uh, that can be great resources for people. Uh, and obviously, uh, otherwise, you can even contact uh, Upstate's uh, helpline, and they'll be able to help you as well. Well, thank you to Dr. Koshal Nanavati. He's the Assistant Dean of Wellness at Upstate, an Assistant Professor of Family Medicine, and Medical Director of Integrative Therapy. I'm Amber Smith with Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.